funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, it's about a decade and a half, and then being the first team that actually gets to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do than with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And today we got Greg Wissinger on the show, a uh, friend of the show, been on a couple times here now. How's it going, Greg? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, you know, kind of dead time of the season. I've slowed down on episodes a little bit because uh, who knows what I'm supposed to talk about. We don't have that long of an off season, so I feel like I'll give myself a little bit of a break right now before we get into the year. Um, and I've been trying to find things to keep myself busy, staying at home, obviously, uh, for the most part. And I've gotten into like making some mixed drinks. And this is like literally as of the last couple of days. So I have a mojito right here with me. This was the first time I made this was today. Um, I learned a kamikaze yesterday and a cosmopolitan. I just, you know, I've had these drinks before, but I never had made them myself. Um, and I just need to know what other drinks do I need to learn here? Like, what are the essentials? Uh well, if you're asking me, you're asking the wrong guy. I don't do a lot of like cocktails or anything like that outside of like I do Captain and Coke uh, about the fanciest mixed drink. I'll make myself as a white Russian, uh, but that's about it. Got it. Well, I am uh, just getting my feet wet, so we'll see what we end up with. Uh, but we got a mojito episode right now. And the plan for today's episode is to talk about the idea of the Kings having some sort of internal improvements. You know, I think a lot of the teams that they're rubbing shoulders with in the Western Conference have a lot of reason to believe they will have a lot of internal improvement within their rosters. You know, Memphis getting Jaron Jackson healthy, any sort of jump from John Morant and some of their other young talent. The Pelicans obviously can say the same thing with Ingram, um, maybe Devontae Graham coming into a new role and Zion Williamson. And the Kings are, you know, I mean, it was hammered home a lot over the last two years, not exactly young when it comes to some of these compared to some of these other teams. But there are aspects where you could see some internal improvements and um, just want to go through some of these young guys today and where we hope the progress comes within their games. And just to start at the top, I mean, I think the most important one, uh, De'Aaron Fox, you know, and I think it's an obvious one. If I had to point to one specific skill, I would want to see improved, but uh, I'll, I'll see what yours is and see if we're on the same page, Greg. I mean, I think one of the, the big things that people normally default to is either the three-point shooting or, or the field goal percentage, and, and I think that those definitely would help. But for me, and this will probably be a little bit of a theme, but I would hope for an improvement on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, just we know that he's quick enough. He's got the, you know, the, the lateral speed to stay in front of people. It would be nice to see Fox. You know, and, and again, the, kind of the whole team, 
it'd be nice to see more of an effort on the defensive side, more of a, a consistency on the defensive side. And, you know, as the King's best player, like you hope that he can be part of that. <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that he needs to be a shutdown point guard defender every game. Like he doesn't need to become a defensive specialist when a guy is carrying a huge part of your offensive workload. Like it's understandable that they may not be your top defender, but um, I think, it'd be too easy to let him off the hook and say that he wasn't part of the overall defensive issue last year. And I'd like to see more from Fox on that side. Yeah, totally reasonable. Um, I, I think that there were moments it felt like he just wasn't giving max effort. And like you said, I mean, some of it can reasonably be written off to the highest usage offensive guy, but really, I mean, as somebody that's a leader of the team, I would hope that he's setting the tone a little bit better and maybe just with the group collectively, putting in more effort and energy on that end that Fox will follow in that. The one to me though um, was free throw shooting was the main thing that stood out to me. Um, And and defense would be one B for me, but the free throw shooting, I mean, 71.9% last year on 7.2 free throw attempts a game. It almost feels like he could get to the line a little bit more than that even. Um, And yeah, I mean, 10th in total free throw attempts last year, I I think just aiming for, you know, maybe a 5% bump a little less than that. Most of the guys in that top 10 are upwards of 80, even 85. I believe it's Giannis, Zion, and Fox are the only ones below 80 in that top 10. So I would love to see him him really up that number. And specifically, it's an issue when you're talking in the clutch. So that, that's the main thing that stood out for me with Fox. And moving on to the, the backcourt partner, Tyrese Halliburton, um, the main thing that stood out to me, you know, is, and this is going to be a main thing that I'm really watching for this season is, what is the ceiling of Tyrese Halliburton? Because he had this label of being a low ceiling player um, coming out of Iowa State, and I was guilty of giving him that same thing, but he showed flashes last year of some space creation and shot creation for himself off the dribble that I think made me question what really is that ceiling. And to me, there needs to be a little bit of progress in that if I want to even like start to really contemplate if he could be an all-star a couple times in his career. Because right now, to me, it's elite role player. And to me, the main thing is, is ha- his handle. If um, he's able to create space and have a little bit of a tighter handle um, and more comfortable doing that, you know, the passing is already there. The shooting is there. So I think if there is more of a, a dribble package to create space for himself, it would really change my idea of the ceiling of Tyrese. So it's just going to be one of the main things I feel like I'm watching for next year with, with Halliburton. But where are you at with him? thing that I'm actually looking for is just uh, strength, you know, just adding size. You know, I mean, he's never going to be a, a bulky player, probably. He He's just kind of a leaner build, but you know, I'd like to see him come in with some strength, and it's expected that he'll put on some muscle and some weight over the, the first couple of years of his career. Most guys do, uh, but just kind of goes back to that defensive side of the ball. I mean, he's a killer defender as far as disrupting passing lanes, things like that, but man-on-man defense, you know, he could get physically abused by some of the stronger NBA players out there. And, uh, you know, especially if the Kings are going to try to run three guard lineups with him, you know, and Fox and maybe Mitchell, he's going to have to have a, a little bit more size and strength to be able to handle some of those, you know, bigger guards or bigger wings that he might end up on and switches or whatever the case might be. I, I think the biggest thing, and it's something I think he's certainly capable of, but, you know, there's nothing to indicate he's not a worker or anything. So maybe this is just kind of an easy layup for him, but that's the big thing I'm looking for him right now. And then, 
like I said, just kind of seeing where he goes and how he develops from there. Totally. The on-ball defense, I think, because of that weight, like you're talking about, was a struggle last year for him and could see a lot of progress there. I had somebody DM me asking um, if there was any truth that Halliburton put on 45 pounds. And I was like, um, you know, I don't think that happened. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say probably not. Um, I'm assuming that's true until it's proven otherwise. There we go. Uh, that I have the wrong mindset here. I really, <laughs> I'm clearly new to this. Um, you have little faith, man. So I threw Buddy Heald on the list, and then I realized I didn't throw Rashawn Holmes on the list. And I think it's just because, to me, I feel like I already know what Holmes is, but Heald is still a question mark somehow. And I wanted to ask you, uh, because, I mean, the thing that stands out to me is just like kind of a willingness to adapt, right, and, and be comfortable coming off the bench if, if that's what's beneficial for the team, um, even though, you know, I mean, at this point, I'm a little skeptical of that happening. But my my theory of, you know, healed being more of a question mark this year, do you think that is, is healed in a point in his career where it should just be like, we already know what buddy is and we need to work around him or should they be still trying to develop and add aspects to his game, which kind of feels like they've been doing the latter recently. I mean, it, buddy is what buddy is at this point. I, I don't think that you're going to see massive changes now. He can still improve. Yeah, I mean, he has improved massively in a lot of areas of his game. I mean, he is what he is in that he is a volume three-point shooter and one of the best in the NBA at that. Uh, but if you look at since he got to Sacramento, like his handle has improved, his turnovers, his assists, his, I mean, his rebounding. I mean, he's gotten better in a lot of areas. I would even argue his man-on-man defense isn't that bad anymore. When he his guy has the ball and he's faced up with him, he is okay. Like he's not great, but he's passable. His biggest issue is just that he is completely lost when he's playing off ball defense and just get you know his guys torch him all the time and you know get open looks and then everyone else is recovering and it breaks down the whole team defense. Um, I don't know how much you can expect a guy at 28 to suddenly learn how to be a good like off ball defender in space i mean i feel like that's a skill that buddy probably would have figured out by now if it was going to click i mean i think buddy is what he is and as long as he's here the kings should try to optimize him and you know you try to hide his flaws but i don't think it's realistic to expect a lot of significant change in his areas of weakness at this point in his career totally and i think that you know it's been one of my critiques of Walton is I, I haven't felt like he's optimized a player but there are situations where you can point out and feel like they've been used in unideal ways and Buddy is prime example of that so hopefully Davion with the ball in his hands a little more often um, will allow Buddy to function off the ball a little bit more and less decision making more of you know one or two reads and then moving the ball so yeah hopefully um, a little bit of a bounce back here for Buddy even though it's funny you look at the numbers from last year and they're still pretty ridiculous especially i mean just the typical shooting you know 10.2 attempts a game from downtown 39.1 percent so like you said you're, you're getting that no matter what but hopefully the i think it's more on the coaching staff to figure out a consistent and um, ideal role for him and then marvin bagley i probably when i was trying to make it skills had four different things in mind or so when it came to bagley and i just settled on consistency because We've seen like flashes of Bagley here and there. 
I want to say there's a couple games against Miami throughout these last three years where he's been really good. Um, there's a couple 2020 games. He has moments where it really feels put together, you know, and I think there was progress last year. He looked more comfortable within the flow of the offense. Obviously that three point shot was a big development, but to me, it's still too much of it just being flashes. Like I, I want one thing that I can feel confident that when you're throwing Bagley out there, you're getting that from him on a nightly basis, because I don't know what that is right now. Like maybe that's rebounding. I don't feel like it's creating for himself. Like maybe some hustle plays of getting boards and putting it back up or just being in the right spot. Like, I just don't know what he brings you on a nightly basis. And that's kind of the issue to me. I want some sort of consistency from him. And consistency also goes along with the availability, right? I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating that all these years later and we still haven't gotten a, a full season of Bagley, you know, with the exception of his rookie season, it was mostly there, but it's, that was three years ago now. <laughs> like it'd be nice to get that consistency because as critical as I've been of Bagley, I mean, when he's not consistently out there, that makes it hard to grow and develop. It'd be really nice to see a season where he was healthy the full year. And maybe some of that consistency that you're talking about could then be a little bit more evident. You know, we could kind of get a better sense of here's exactly what he's going to bring to you over the course of a full season. Yeah, still totally a question mark. And who knows if he's even on the roster come the beginning of the year. Um, and I would, you know, unless maybe there's some change in the Simmons market, uh, Damian Lillard all of a sudden confirms that he's not leaving this year or next year. Who knows what's going on with, with Daryl Morey. And I'll ask you a tiny bit of Simmons before we close at the end. But uh, next one I got here, Damian Jones. Let's just start with, I mean, how much do we even see Damian Jones this year? Alex Len, Tristan Thompson. Rashawn Holmes, obviously. I mean, is there even room for Jones to kind of feel like he's making progress and developing? Yeah, I mean, I really liked what we saw from Jones after he joined the Kings last year. I mean, he came on a couple of 10 days and then earned himself a rest of the season deal. I mean, but he's he's a role player backup big man. I mean, he's got some talent. He's got some size, but that's less of a glaring issue if he's not on the roster now that they've got Len and uh, you know, they definitely brought in a bunch of big guys and I, I don't know how you keep them all. It's one of those things where it seems like there's got to be some sort of roster move between like now and the end of training camp, you know, just to, I don't see where, unless someone else is gone, right? Like unless there's a trade that involves Bagley or Tristan Thompson gets moved again or, you know, whoever it might be. Unless someone else is gone, I have a hard time seeing Jones still being on the roster opening day. Yeah, makes sense. And um, when just to pick a specific skill for Jones, and I'm totally on board with you, but for the sake of going through with it, the one that stood out to me was just patience on shot blocking. Like You don't need to block everything, just alter some shots. He's a big guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't see too much opportunity for him on this roster as currently constructed. Um, so I'm in the same boat as you. And the next one, a, a big man who's kind of worked his way into being a little bit of a four, and that goes straight into what my question, Chemezi Metu, um, I just want to define defensive role. Like right now, I don't know who he guards. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a four or a five, and it seems to be like they're leaning more towards a four, and that's probably what it's going to have to be with the aforementioned uh, front court lineup that the Kings have currently. But to me, I, I just don't know really what Chemezi is 
role is on the defensive end. So uh, getting that more defined is kind of where I was at with him. And maybe that happens a little bit in Stockton. Maybe he gets opportunity in the Sacramento roster, but uh, you know, there's, there's been nice offensive flashes. I just um, still have a question on where he fits on defense. Yeah. I, I think that defense is definitely going to be, I mean, that's the recurring theme, right? That the whole team needs to be better at defense. Um Matthew, for sure, if he could be a consistent defender, again, doesn't have to be a great defender, just a consistent defender. Um, the other thing I'd look for for him is just consistency in his shot. I mean, he showed some really nice flashes of shooting, you know, especially spacing long twos, even some threes, but it wasn't consistent or reliable enough to really make him like a stretch threat on offense. And if he can develop a consistent shot, I think he definitely can have a role as you know, like a backup stretch for because he does a lot of other things well enough that he could carve out a really nice role for himself that way. Lots of versatility on offense from Metu, and especially putting that shot together would be really helpful for him. And the final two guys, my little crushes, I guess, Jemias Ramsey is who we'll start with here. Um, talk to me about, you know, kind of the eye-opening summer league from JR. And I did not see that coming. <laughs> if you had asked me, me like, either, I mean, before, you know, going into like the California classic or even after the California classic, like I was not real high on Ramsey. I mean, he obviously had come in last year as like one of the youngest guys. So we knew he was raw, but there just hadn't been a lot of flashes to kind of show much there. And especially given how weird last season was with, you know, the lack of, you know, a real G league experience or, you know, real training camp or any of that, like there just wasn't a whole lot that we had seen to tell us like, Hey, get excited about him. And man, summerly, he just really looked like a guy who was better than most of the guys out on the floor. And it's exciting. I don't know what he could become. Like, again, it's still just summer league and that does tend to favor a certain type of player, which I think he's definitely of the mold of, right? Like athletic scoring guards and wings, like they tend to shine a little bit more in summer league. Um, so I, I still don't know exactly what to make of him, but I'd love to see him get a, a, an opportunity to show us more, whether that's in Stockton or, you know, getting you know fourth quarter minutes, you know, in, in losing games or whatever the opportunity is. Or winning blowouts. What's that? Or winning blowouts. Yeah, now now I'm the pessimist, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if we could see a little bit more of that. My big concern for him is I just don't know, at least with the Kings, you know, definitely should be an opportunity in Stockton. With the Kings themselves, though, I don't know how he gets a whole lot of opportunity. I'm not sure where he fits because I don't think he's big enough to, you know, help fill in some of the, you know, minutes at the three. Um and given how many guards they have and, and the talent of guards they have, I just not sure where that opportunity is going to come for him. Yeah. To me, it feels like it's going to be all stocked in. Right. And I've always viewed him as like a scoring spark plug sort of guy. Mm -hmm. And I think getting a lot of reps as a somewhat focal point in Stockton would be really helpful because I think his ceiling is, you know, a, a focal point of a bench unit on the offensive end. So I think those are useful reps for him. Um, it, it really made me realize that just how weird the G League bubble situation is and, and just all of last year, really, you know, like JR looked so rough in, in the G League, like absolutely lost game of, you know, five fouls in barely that many minutes. 
uh, where he didn't score. There was a lot of guards on his uh, Clippers team that he was on. But, I mean, for a guy that shot upwards of 40% on nice volume in college from three, shoot 22% during the G League. It was just, it was stuff that didn't make sense from what you saw in college. So to finally see it put together a little bit more at the California Classic and then Vegas as well was really nice. And I think um, defensively, like on ball, he showed a lot of versatility, Texas Tech. And and in the summer league, off ball still a little bit of a question mark, but he's got some of the physical tools to be impactful in that way. But it was just really good also to see him fully engaged on the defensive end, which it, it maybe is a lazy narrative just because he's the first rounder, but it felt like that was partially because of Davion being very aggressive, you know, and being alongside him. Um, so it was really um, promising to see a lot of defensive intensity from JR and he was really good on ball there as well. So to me, it's got to be, you know, a, a really main guy in Stockton and I, I want him to feel like he is a leading scorer of that team or one of the top guys and be a focal point there. And I, I feel like that's got to be the opportunity for him this year. Cause like you said, a lot of guards on the Sacramento roster too. So we'll see. At the same time, though, I, I do, in a way, I hope that Bobby Jackson puts him in positions where he can develop how to be effective when he's not the focal point. Because as great as he looked in summer league and stuff, I mean, right now, it would be quite a leap for him to be like a go-to option for an NBA team, whether it's bench unit or not, right? And so how can he make an impact on a game when he's not the focal point, you know, taking the opportunistic scoring opportunity, you know, chances and you know, not just being the guy who's getting a ton of shots. And that's how he gets his scoring groove, right? Like be a guy who can be a spark plug, but that doesn't mean, you know, you need 10 shots to get into that groove. So that's the the big thing I think that could go a long way for him. Totally. Yeah. Great point there. And uh, I think that's, I think that's everybody. Um, <laughs> That's all I got. I mean, are we just gonna skip over Woodard? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is? I, I, I don't mean, know what, what there is to <laughs> say. I don't know what there is to say. I mean, uh, so I don't understand him. Uh, it makes no sense. Like it, it looked like it became a confidence thing really quickly for Woodard because he just was playing so differently in the bubble. Um, it, it's not like he was a focal point of that team, you know, they were a really high pace teamed on offense. So maybe that was a little more beneficial for Woodard and, and they had like two high usage guys on the roster, but I don't think that was that much different than the Stockton roster. Like I'm making up excuses for Woodard right now. He looked horrible, but it just didn't make any sense to me um, for the effort to not really be there. You know, he wasn't rebounding quite the way that you would want him to like, he had some okay games, but I mean, to get benched on the, and, and you know, I mean, that's not, yeah, I mean, to get benched on the G League roster is rough for for a second year guy. So I don't know. I mean, I have what happened can't be unplayable on offense. So that's my notes. Yeah, and my only thing that I can come up with as like a, a, an explanation, a reason, an excuse is just like how we talked about summer league favors a certain type of player and certain types of players don't tend to show out. And I don't think that Woodard is the right type of player to really shine at summer league. Totally. And, I mean, we go back to 
his time in the G League. Well, I mean, he had a couple like 25 point games. Like, I mean, he was playing really well in more of a structure, more of a, a team, more an established role. Like, I don't think Woodard's ever going to be a great scoring threat. I mean, his shooting percentages, you know, whether it's summer league, the G League bubble, like his shooting percentages are not there. And how dare I don't you? know. I don't know how playable he's going to be, but if he's playable, he has to be consistent with those other things, right? The defense, the rebounding, like that's how he can find a niche on the team. Yeah. And that's what shocked me. I felt like those little things were kind of always going to be there. And the question was going to be, you know, can he do anything on offense? Pretty much. Can he hit an open three? Mm -hmm. Um, And he answered no to the latter question and made me second guess the first one. So we'll see. Uh, I am very far from ready to cut ties, but who knows if I'm overly attached. Um, so, yeah, just where I'm at. Um, actually, I didn't do Lou King. Should we throw out Lou out, King? I was going to point out that the the horde of Lou King fans are, are going to be after you if you leave him out, too. Yeah, Summer League Finals MVP. So I should put some respect. <laughs> I mean, what are you? Yeah, what are you hoping to see from Lou King? You know, one of the few guys of this size and got some decent versatility for that size as well. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I'm very uncomfortable with the idea that the Kings are going to go into the season expecting to rely on him. Um, and, you and think I they are? No, I, I don't think they necessarily okay. are. I mean, but you look at the roster as it stands right now, and it's not hard to see a situation where one guy has like a tweaked hamstring and suddenly they do have to rely on King. Um, I liked what I saw from him at the end of last season. Uh, he he had a rough start at the California Classic, but then he played really well down the stretch. And like you said, won MVP of the the final game uh, for the the Summer League Championship. I, there's definitely potential there, and and as young as he is, I, I I'm more excited about him than some of the other wing options on the Kings, even if he's far less proven and probably going to be a lot less reliable. So I'd love to see him just play consistently and contribute on both ends and carve out a role for himself. That'd be a great success story for him for the upcoming season. Totally. I still feel like I don't have a great grasp of who Lou King is because he just kind of does a little bit of everything at his size. You know, I think he is a really strong shooter and obviously has that going for him, but it it feels like, again, I I don't know when you're throwing him out there exactly what you're getting. There's not like a consistent skill there, although there are like promising bits and pieces and, fundamental like foundations for different aspects of the game so i still think a lot just kind of needs to be pieced together there but totally an interesting base with where he's at right now um i think that's everybody is there anybody else that you look at and say there's a certain skill or or aspect that of their game that you really feel like uh should be developed going into this next year is Holmes finally going to start shooting threes you know, I've already got, uh, we're just going to copy and paste when we start up 30 questions here in a, a, a couple of days. We're just going to copy and paste because like the last like three years we've written about, you know, if Holmes is going to start th- shooting three. So we're just going to roll it out there again because I still believe, I still believe that Holmes could be a three point threat. <laughs> With touch like that, you have to believe. <laughs> Maybe he can just do his push shot from beyond the arc. Why not? Why not? Where do you stand before we get out of here with the whole Ben Simmons idea? How do you feel about Ben Simmons? If you were to present an offer, what would it be? I'm not the the fake trade guy. My whole thing is, and has always been, it comes down to the price tag. 
Um, ideally, I'd like, I would love to have Ben Simmons as a king if there's a way to have Fox and Halliburton with him still. Like, I don't know if you can get him without at least including Halliburton. And Simmons is a far better player and is young enough that that wouldn't be a bad choice. I just wouldn't be excited about it because I really like Halliburton. <laughs> you know, it, it's in the same way. It's it's not like a logical argument based on quality of player. Um, I do think that the the hatred for Simmons has gone way too far, and I hope the Kings could capitalize on that and get him for a lot less than he should be worth. But um, yeah, I mean, if they trade for him, how excited? I mean, I'll be excited either way, but how excited I'm going to be is just going to come down to what they gave up. Absolutely. And I think, you know, at very least, to me, it has to include one of Davion or Tyrese. And obviously, you'd rather give up Davion. But I mean, I'm with you. Like, emotionally, I do not want to trade Tyrese, but I do think there's a real argument of the talent upgrade there, even though it would break my heart. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Buddy Bagley, and then I don't know, I, I would say Davion and two, two first sort of thing. And that's a lot, but you, the other teams I've seen mentioned, San Antonio, Portland, Golden State, like wrote out the deals for each one of them. I mean, if Portland's putting CJ on the table and not even Dame, just CJ, I mean, I think they already are beating the Sacramento offer. Um, if there's a first or, or two thrown in there at Golden State, I mean, Wiggins, I, I think is more valuable than Buddy. <clears throat> Excuse me, maybe Philly doesn't view it that way, but then what if you're including Moody, Kuminga, Poole, like I think that's a lot more intriguing than what Sacramento's offering. San Antonio is closer, but I don't know. It depends how you feel about DeJounte Murray, really. I think the offer I came up with, DeJounte Murray, Doug McDermott, and two firsts, I think all of those other three have a really good argument for being better than Sacramento. So unless these other teams aren't interested, you know, say Philly's asking price um, allegedly needs to come down from this idea of waiting for Damian Lillard. And I think you do have to include one of Davion or Tyrese. And I mean, it's probably Tyrese. Like, I mean, we've seen things thrown around of like, well, they're not going to include De'Aaron Fox, but I mean, that seems to be the first thing that comes to people's mind. Like Simmons is that level of talent. And obviously you wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't consider that, but I mean, you got to give up something if you're talking Simmons and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Who knows if you'll actually go into training camp after all this, all this drama. And the, the player, the Kings could include, and, and in, how you mix a match and make the money work. That's where it gets messy. Right. But the, the other player of the Kings can include that I, to me seems obvious and doesn't seem to come up in the trade discussions a lot, probably just because of the money fit and, and how you line it up with everything else is just Harrison Barnes. I mean, you think about the fit with Harrison Barnes and Embiid, like that's a really good combination. And Barnes is a really solid player declining contract like there's a lot of advantages there that would make sense from a you know philly doesn't want to go into a rebuilding package they're not looking at just you know all the youngsters that's the the downside on the warriors package for them is that philly doesn't want to rebuild <laughs> they've got Embiid. they want to win and so you know again talking about a lot of big contracts but let's say you got them barnes and buddy and a bunch of picks that could be a solid return where you know maybe they don't find anything better. I again, I don't yeah. think that's super likely. I, I again, I, I think that other teams can and would probably beat out the Kings, but I if you're trying to win now, you add 
Buddy shooting Barnes's versatility and spacing as a stretch four, you know, small ball four. I think that those couple guys like that used right could help Philly a lot. Yeah, I think Barnes is really interesting. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And the other team I've also seen thrown around is Minnesota. And I haven't put together what I, I think their package could potentially look like, but they got some interesting young assets. It's probably on par with sort of Sacramento and San Antonio's offer, but we will see what ends up happening in the next coming weeks. I'm excited for the season to start to get a little bit closer. I just want to see this three guard lineup already. Uh, next episode later this week is going to be more Simmons content with a Philadelphia cover. So stay tuned for that. And of course, a bunch of great work going on from Greg and all the other guys, myself included at the Kings Herald dot com and uh, take a look at the patreon to support local independent kings coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days